0: everybody welcome back to home on the rng hi welcome back we're already having a a blast it's a weird episode for us uh it's also a special episode for us it's weird because despite the fact that you've been hearing regular updates we have not recorded an episode in almost exactly a year it's been it's been 11 months uh the last yeah. set we
1: recorded was in october it is now october oh it has been because when i came for desert bus we
0: did not record anything. because we recorded so it the month before. we haven't
1: seen each other in 11 months but we haven't done
0: this in a year we saw each other like two months ago russ we went to Denton. <laughs> i apparently have some <laughs> mental problems <right> so <laughs> we're all readjusting to the idea of recording a podcast yeah. It's Um, been it's been a 2023. It's been quite a year, but this is also a special episode because this is the 50th game that we're reviewing. How exciting! Uh, It's not our 50th episode because we do those special roundup episodes, right? Mm -hmm. But it is the 50th game. Yeah. What if this was only the 50th game you had ever played in your entire life? I would have had a lot more free time. Yeah, it's true. Probably would have gotten a lot more done. How are you, Chris? How's your 2023 been?
2: Oh, it's fine. How's your mom? She's fine. Good. Good. <laughs> she, she just retired again, so not working. Excellent. Yeah.
0: We needed to ask because, for those who didn't hear the, the little message we put about, out about timing, the reason we haven't recorded in a year is the reason we've burned through our backlog is because, and you don't mind me sharing, right? Absolutely not. Russ's Hope mother got breast cancer. Yes. She did. Um, which was uh, she's doing great now, which is why we're back doing yeah, this. Yeah, exactly. It's fantastic. Also, my mother got breast yeah, cancer. they decided so, to
1: do it at the same time.
0: So we were worried about Chris's mom. Yeah, um, she, mm-hmm. yeah she's fine. Good, good. Everybody's <laughs> fine. Uh, my mother is also fine now. Yeah, so it's good. Everything's good now. But we are not here to talk about breast cancer no. and how women should get themselves checked and please take care of yourself. They should get themselves checked. Regular annual mammograms. Yes. We are instead here to talk about
1: wild arms. Yay. And th- aren't those arms wild? Weren't there some really
0: wild arms in this game? <laughs> I'm starting to feel like Russ hasn't played the game. <laughs> <laughs> those arms were wild he's like i am just going to
1: make up information based on the title i mean not for this game but maybe for future episodes <laughs> this yeah. one i'm this one i'm i am adequately familiar with
0: well let's engage with your adequate familiarity yeah. and yeah. talk about our personal history
1: I feel like that i could record one thing about my personal history and then you could just play it during every episode because it basically goes i played this game when it came out on the ps1 in 1997 and then like played it again at least once for this review but more than that i've played i've played this game more than two times definitely um so nothing really thrilling or exhilarating and maybe we'll do that uh do that little template for me in the future,
0: <laughs> you're not that lucky. Okay, Chris, do you have any personal
2: history with the game? None whatsoever. <laughs> oh, fun! I uh, yeah, I'm surprised there's a game you haven't played. <laughs> yeah, I uh, so yeah, I'm, with a lot of PlayStation games in 1997, I did kind of miss this one. Um, you know, I read about the game in like magazines and stuff, but that's about it. I bought it on PS5, haven't started it. <laughs> that's about it. So this is only my second time to play through the
0: game. And the first time wasn't that long ago, but it was memorable for me because my company had done kind of a reorganization and shifted a bunch of people around and I found myself in charge of a team of about five people that the company mostly forgot about. Mm. We worked in the basement, I sat at the back row of the basement of the building. In an area that maybe only 15 people in the entire company could even get into because of badge access. This sounds like it could be the beginning of an Apple Plus TV series. <laughs> we had, as a team, I would say maybe two hours worth of work a day. Mm. So I brought my PlayStation Vita into nice. work and I played through Wild Arms. All of it at work. Um, yeah, That is no longer the case. I am now earning a paycheck, I swear. <laughs> I am working for the company. But... Um, it was memorable because it was it was a good time. Uh, but then I played through it again for this review. Yeah, I do always have the so Wild Arms was developed by Media Vision and it's owned by Sony and it released in Japan in '96 and came over here and then came 97. here in April. Yeah. So let's go ahead and dive into story and characters. <laughs> Holding a puppy in one hand, I don't know how I'm gonna. There we go. When a race of demons emerges from the shadows to set about conquering the world, our heroes give them the tool they require, and then decide to try and stop them. (laughs) (laughs) And they have some wild arms. Oh
2: god! (laughs) I will say, those are tame arms.
0: the majority of what I'm going to say about the game is going to come from the same viewpoint. If you remember when we talked about Suikoden, I talked about how it felt like it was a game that was developed for like the Super Nintendo and then got moved to the PlayStation because it had a lot of artifacts and stuff from that era. This game very much feels like it was designed with the PlayStation in mind from the beginning. It feels like it's a game that's all about pushing the boundaries of expectation, Right breaking new territory that is constantly what this game feels like and that's one of the reasons I, i really like the story of this game uh because about the time when you really think you're at the end of the story you've learned all the spells you can learn uh it feels like you're coming to the end boss turns out you're at the halfway mark yep the story continues to go all of a sudden, it un, you know, there's a whole newer tier of spells mm-hmm. like they really psych you out with that and then opens up the other half of the world to you.
1: Yeah. For that first half, it turns out you're only exploring like an inner ocean. Yeah. And then all of a sudden there's the outer ocean. Oh, the Dragon Quest style. Correct. Exactly. And, and those hidden spells that you mentioned are that Yes. I remember when I first played the game, that being uh, a profound uh, sort of thing.
0: Yeah, the game is really building to psych you out. Yeah, It's like, exactly. oh, the end is coming. And it feels like a good ending, right? It feels... Like- so this is about a 30-hour game.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And at about the 15, 20-hour mark, it feels like it's ending. And based on the games of that time, that's actually a, a reasonable length, mm-hmm. right? But again... It feels like, well, we're on the PlayStation. Let's do more. Here's a whole second game. I understand what you're talking about, about pushing the boundary, because
1: I always felt that it started. It seemed like it started out as more of like a Super Nintendo game. And then they're like, oh, we're putting this on the PlayStation and on a CD Um, and that kind of thing. And then they started pushing the boundaries with like, the battle system, which I know
0: we'll get to, and yeah. the level of story. Like there are some elements in the story that make me, th- that remind me of other games. Now I know these other games came out later, and it's very probable that the creator of these other games wasn't using Wild Arms as their inspiration, but I couldn't help but mentally feel a connection between. For example, uh, the big plot is these demons who are from another world trying to resurrect. Their mother, who then wants them to conquer this planet, it is giving Genova a yeah. Final Fantasy VII. <laughs> I right? wonder where that very came from. strongly, but also frequently throughout the story, it cuts to cutscenes where we just see what the enemies are up to. Mm-hmm. The enemies having conferences, the enemies having plans. This is very uncommon. We saw it a little bit in Final Fantasy IV. Yeah, that's... we saw it in Thousand Arms. Yeah. Uh, one of the only good things about thousand arms. Um <laughs> uh, so it's where were the thousand arms, by the way. <laughs>
1: I did not count a thousand arms.
0: The the biggest complaint I had when it comes to this game in general and specifically about story, it felt very much like early Dragon Quest to me in that there were often times where I had no idea where to go next or what I was trying to do. Mm-hmm. Right? While I knew my goal in big terms, I would frequently find myself unsure where I was supposed to go next. There's a moment where I I had to reference walkthroughs multiple times to figure out, okay, what am I actually supposed to do? Where am I supposed to go? Because like, oh, the world has opened up to you. There's three different places you can go to, but the plot only advances at one of them. Yeah.
1: (laughs) So I appreciated the, they hadn't really mastered it yet, but the Wild West theme of the game. I mean, it is a fantasy RPG and you're fighting monsters and you're using swords and you're using spells and all of that. Um, But there's a Wild West component to it where the land is barren and the land is dying and you're kind of trying to eke out a living on the frontier. And
0: there are people wielding guns. Yeah,
1: people have guns. There's Calamity Jane, who should have been a party member and is a party member in the PS2 remake. But should have been a party member in the original game. And I like, I think it's interesting how it combines the more traditional fantasy stuff with like a Western sort of thing. It wouldn't be till Wild Arms 3 until they like really got a handle on that. Um, But the groundwork is here and I really
0: appreciate that. Did you want to talk more about the characters?
1: Well, sure. What I would say about the villains, first of all, I found so I found this to be kind of like playing an anime. I was getting really into anime for, like, the first time in 1997 when this came out. And so playing this game and having the really over-the-top villains that you get to spend time with, and then just having all the supporting characters like Calamity Jane and her butler and the—what was her name? Emma, the inventor lady, um— I do not. I think it was the NPC names. Yeah, I think it was Emma. Anyway, it just felt like a fun group of characters that you would see in an old 90s anime, like Slayers or, or something like that. Um, so that really drew me into it too. I liked the characters a lot, like Jack. Like Jack, correct? Jack. Jack is the mo. Jack is a swordsman, but he's also kind of the most cowboy. Ish character you that know, you have in your party. Even more so than Rudy, the gunsman. Right. And Rudy, unfortunately, is a silent protagonist. So <laughs> um, he doesn't really have a lot going on. But Jack was great. And then Cecilia is the princess who uses all of the magic. And she does the classic. Uh, Mulan-esque princess thing of cutting her hair so that she can, you know, wield power and go on a journey.
0: And it's actually fun when she does that because uh, the save screen shows you the sprites of the characters that are in your party. Now, there's only these three characters that are ever yeah. in your party, mm-hmm. so it's not like Final Fantasy 4 where you can look at a save screen and be like, oh, they're at that part of the story, they're at that part. No, you always have three char- these three characters. Yeah. But when she cuts her hair, it does change her sprite. Mm -hmm. And so, like, there is a moment of, like, looking at it, and you can tell. she she changes out of her dress and changes into a little travel attire. She
1: really takes her adventuring seriously. And
0: it's such a small touch, but I do like that it does change the sprite. Mm -hmm. So we can move into combat, unless you've got any other pushing... I just want to point out,
1: again, I can't believe I can't remember all these characters' exact names. But Zed the 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 Gilgamesh oh, type yes. character that you encounter with, with, with his wolf hound. several times with his wolfhound. He was like my first introduction to Chenebio. And for anyone who doesn't know what that is like me it's like it's a it's a thing in anime. it translates or people translate it to eighth grade syndrome. That's kind of what it means. but what it really means is when you can cons- it's like main character syndrome. Where you think that you're the main character and you are great and powerful and this great you and powerful these- warrior and you're actually just kind of a dweeb. <laughs> <laughs> and that was like my first encounter with that, of of that character. Gilgamesh has a little bit of that to him, but I think they really go to like the next level. And we you mean Gilgamesh from Final Fantasy V? not from the
0: original epic of Gilgamesh. Correct. I mean Gilgamesh from Final Fantasy 5. You know, I assumed that's what, the one you were talking Yes. <laughs> I, don't,
1: I don't know a lot about the Gilgamesh from the epic.
0: I
2: pretty much know Gilgamesh
0: from <laughs> I, the Final I know what, what I learned universe. from that Star Trek episode, Darmok. Okay.
2: Well, <laughs> and there's also Gilgamesh from Tower of Druaga. That's the hero of, of that. Mm. I don't even know what that is. It's an early Namco arcade game. Yeah, I knew Draga. I didn't know Gilgamesh was the yeah, yeah. character th- name. Yeah. They shortened his name to something, but I think it's supposed to be Gilgamesh. Gilgi. Yeah, something like that. A little Gilgi. A little
0: Gil. <laughs> All right, so let's go ahead and move into the combat system. For those who haven't played this game, the easiest way to picture the combat in your head, and I know this is going to set Russ off, and that's fine. I am perfectly happy to set Russ up. Are you ready for me to scream into the microphone? No. I just know you have things to say on this topic, Okay. so I'm going to lob this softball up. If you want to picture this game in your head, the combat looks very much like a chibi version of Final Fantasy VII.
1: Yeah, that's true. That is absolutely true. And guess what? (laughs) <laughs> what final fantasy seven this is what i remember about this game from 1997 is this game came out in april and everybody was wild they were wild about wild arms and they were like this is the future of rpgs it has this 3d battle system so the so the exploring and everything happens on a 2d plane um like you would see in a super nes game then they switched to the battle system and you have these little chibi versions of your characters, but it's all in 3d and the enemies are all in 3d and all the spell effects and all the special skills and everything, um, are all in this 3d and all the gaming magazines and just all of the chatter about this game was like, this is the future of RPGs. Look at these beautiful dynamic battles, which is nothing compared to graphics today, but back then they were like this is what rpgs are gonna be from now on and everybody was so pumped about this game in the summer of 1997 and then in september of 1997 we all went back to school and final fantasy 7 came out and And nobody nobody talked about firearms one crap about wild arms after final fantasy 7 which is a shame pre-rendered backgrounds and it's chibi 3d characters in both you know field play and combat um yeah and i always and i like final fantasy 7 i know we've probably talked before i like final fantasy 7 it's not my favorite fine yeah um but i always kind of have a a sore spot for Final Fantasy Seven for like taking away the the, the momentum of this game because I really like this game and I I think it's
2: Yeah, I feel like um with Final Fantasy Seven it's it was kind of a double edged sword because it's like, yeah, you know, it took away from the earlier PlayStation RPGs, but then RPG Fever happened in the US after that, Mm -hmm. and from that we got so many more that we probably wouldn't have otherwise. That is true. (laughs) Final Fantasy VII was so many people's first RPG. Oh, yeah.
0: Well...
2: We're like a year away. And I don't want to. I don't want to turn 7. this into a Final Fantasy 7 episode. But no, no, no. I have a. Um, we'll, it's in the middle of the first ten for me. Yeah.
0: We'll, we'll talk more about it when we actually review it. But I think the reason it was so many people's first JRPG is because they had a very strong advertising campaign behind mm-hmm. it, right? And they showed these cutscenes and they showed this action
2: and <laughs> including spoilers. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of people who
0: <laughs> yeah. weren't used to playing JRPGs were interested by what they saw in the commercials. They mm-hmm. played it and went. Oh my god, there's so much story and characters. Yeah. This is unlike any video game that's ever come out mm-hmm. except for every other JRPG. Exactly. That exactly. you never played. Anyway, sorry. No, we're not here to talk about Final Fantasy VII. We're here, we're not going to let this review take away from my arms. I just arms. feel that, <laughs> that
1: like this the, 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 that the, I mean, this game has a great story and fun battles and everything like that, but it's just not as flashy.
0: I do like especially for the combat. They the three Characters have three very different contributions Mm -hmm. to battle, right? You specifically have one magic user you have one person with sword abilities and then you have this person with various guns and gun abilities like bazookas or shooting lasers mm-hmm. that hit multiple enemies so on and so
2: basically just, just like the real old west yeah exactly bazookas one, magic user, bazookas. one guy with swords <laughs> yeah. one guy with bazookas lasers. See, i love
1: the miss the like mishmash of
2: all of that the anachronism yep
0: the battle also does whenever there's a critical hit the camera does, like, yeah. zoom,
2: zoom in, slow-mo, replay,
0: action, And that's angles. what everybody was talking it's, about.
1: They're like, this is the dynamic battle system
0: of the future. It really makes uh, your critical hits seem really awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, I could never figure out exactly the mechanic that was triggering it, but occasionally, your characters counterattack. Mm-hmm. If they feel like it for some reason, yeah, I'm sure there's a mechanic or a stat or something that determines this, but just sometimes they counterattack. It's just just a nice surprise. I like, I really,
1: really, really liked the, I liked the fact that there were only three characters because I get overwhelmed managing a lot of characters. I liked that they all played significantly differently from each other and then I just liked the actual mechanics, like with Rudy and his guns, instead of having like an MP pool or something you pull from, you actually have to buy and carry bullets. Different bullets for different guns. For the guns. guns. And then you have, and then you can upgrade the stats of the guns.
2: So. Which I guess they would use later in Final Fantasy VIII. Yes. Also, uh, wasn't Legend of Legaia just three characters as well? It was. Yeah. Yeah. It was interesting.
1: Mm-hmm. And I liked Cecilia's magic system with the crests. Yes. Where you could, and not, where you can, you can choose specifically what spells you want. So spells that you're never going to use, like just scanning an enemy or stuff like that, you can ignore or, you know, save down the line. Basically the way you do her magic is you have to find a crest, uh, just exploring dungeons and things like that. And then you go to like the magic shop and then the wizard which lady at the magic shop can turn the crest into a spell of your choosing. And there's basically white magic and black magic.
0: And then there's like a grid. It's a grid, the, yeah. In theory, it's supposed to make sense, like you go along the fire path and where it connects with the water path. It right. does a thing. Luckily, the game doesn't make you question it, right? Like the game very clearly spells out if you put a crest in this spot of the grid. This is the spell you're going to get. You can name it whatever you want, but this is the effect it's going to have. They
1: tell you what it's Mm -hmm. going to do. And the best part of it is that you can dissolve the spell back into a crest for free at any time that you want. And then you can just go choose a different spell.
0: Literally zero cost to experimenting. Such a great quality of life thing Mm -hmm. for a game from 1997. Love it. Love it. Love it. The last thing I have in combat section is force. Yes. Um, And this is a mechanic that we've seen a couple times. Uh, The first one that comes to mind is Skies of Arcadia, Mm -hmm. where as combat goes on, your characters build up force points. You Uh, mean like limit breaks? Sort of like (laughs) limit breaks uh, by dealing or taking damage. Um, And then as your force powers go up, you have access to force skills. You can, you know, one force point does this, two Mm -hmm. force points does that. And that's pretty normal. What I think stands out here is it's a maximum of four force points. And when you hit that four force points, that character is instantly healed of all status effects. Mm -hmm. In addition to you now having four force points, which helps get you out of... we've We've all done it. As JRPG players, we've all been locked in this cycle of... I'm asleep, I'm frozen, yeah. or whatever it is. I can't interact with this combat. I'm just sitting here watching my characters get wailed on until either something good happens or they die. Yeah. And the force points let you break out of that because, oh, nope, all status effects healed. Yeah. You're mine now, just sucker.
1: another great quality of life thing yeah. for such an old game. Yeah. Yeah, so, I, I thought the combat system was is, is quite fun.
0: Let's go ahead and talk about something that this game has a lot of. Which is arms no that's 1000 arms that is 1000 arms yeah <laughs> this this just this has one, uncontrollable
1: yeah arms. this one just has the fun arms oh god i'm feeding into your bit
0: <laughs> no we're going to talk about innovations
1: So besides the arm, besides the the wacky arms, what are the other innovations in this game?
0: So when you start the game, you get to pick which of these three characters you want to start with, Mm -hmm. and you get to play their origin story. Uh, You you can experience all three characters' origin stories in one playthrough, but this idea of picking your starting character is kind of cool. Yeah, true. There are frequent stat-boosting items and items that double your XP. Mm -hmm. Uh, and if you are intelligent about using those XP doubling items, you can level like a madman. Yeah. Each of the three characters have tools that are specific to them. They start out with one tool. As the game goes on, they will acquire other tools. Um, Jack has a mouse friend. Hand pan. Who. I love hand pan. When he uses it, the mouse just like rushes out. And then rushes back, and he can be used to uh, trigger a switch Mm -hmm. or get an item out of a chest or whatever, and then run back. He, Rudy gets dashing shoes, which enable him to uh, move against moving platforms. I, Celine,
1: he has bombs. Cecilia Cecilia. has Cecilia has a time a time Yeah. Yeah, she can rewind time. She has a magic crystal. Um, they like use like uh, an items.
0: endless jar of water. Yes. That you. <laughs> the point is, they use all of these tools outside of combat to solve puzzles in dungeons.
1: Yeah, it's it's like a it's like an even more advanced version of Lufia Two, where the, yeah. there's puzzle solving in the dungeons, but you have to use your different characters and use their different. I
0: items. would put it. It's even better than Golden Sun, but I would compare it more to Golden Sun because... Yeah, it is more like Golden Sun. Except Mm -hmm. Golden Sun had the same abilities in and out of combat, Yeah, right? This Mm -hmm. has just outside of combat abilities. Mm -hmm. But it really makes the exploration more fun because, you know, it does add that puzzle-solving element. And there are the occasional dungeons where your characters get split up and you have to figure out... Okay, who needs to go to which version, Mm -hmm. which area of this dungeon based on the tool set that they have? Uh, You mentioned upgrading your guns with money. But it's each gun you can upgrade how many bullets it can hold, Mm -hmm. how strong it is. And the accuracy. And how accurate it Mm -hmm. is. Uh, They all have an upper limit as they can only be upgraded so much but uh and it costs more and more money to upgrade them but some of them man get so powerful
1: yeah it's still i like the system because again you can like upgrade the ones that you use and that work for you and then kind of ignore the other ones or you can try to upgrade all of them there's customization in it, and I am always pro customization.
0: <laughs> I also like that the dash is a little slippery as you're dashing yeah. around. It reminds me a little of a boy in his blob when you would slide off a cliff and then be like, huh, 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 woo! Yep. Uh, it's it like just the Legend of Zelda. Kind dashing. of slipping and sliding all over yeah. the screen. It's fun. You occasionally meet NPCs on the overworld. Mm-hmm. That almost never happens in JRPGs. Yep. They're having their own adventures. So the character Jack, so we talked about magic, how mm-hmm. you get your magic. We've mm-hmm. talked about how you upgrade your guns. You find new guns in chests, special gun chests. Jack learns new sword abilities, sometimes through finding statues in mm-hmm. the real world, which uh, then lead to him having to do a challenge sequence. But sometimes just by encountering a cut scene, yeah. it'll make him, he'll watch a boulder rolling down the hill and like <laughs> barely get out of the way and be like, that gives me an idea, yep. and you will acquire a new question mark skill, yeah, and you will try to use that question mark skill in combat, and it'll work or it won't, and it'll work or it won't. and when it finally does work, he unlocks a new ability. and I, I like I like that his abilities are largely unlocked through things that happen to him, mm-hmm. like he actually like, ooh, that's a neat idea. That's kind of fun. It's very anime. Part of the reason this makes me think it's an anime RPG. A thing that I like that I know Russ doesn't, hidden items in the town. Russ doesn't like when there's hidden items that much. Well, I don't, but
1: I think this game does a pretty good job of making it somewhat obvious where they are well plus they I give you like a
0: I've, tool yeah you, correct
1: they, yes. one of the tools is the just radar. like a radar yeah. for hidden items mm-hmm. but i think it was not as obnoxious in this game as we keep talking about golden sun but i always thought the hidden items in golden sun were pretty obnoxious because of just the the art and how everything was laid out and there might be like 15 pots just sitting up against the wall and then one has an item in it and this game
0: doesn't do that kind of it kind of uh, kind of uh, telegraphs where the items are. One thing I didn't like as much about this game is you can only save the game by talking to parrots or save points in dungeons. You can't save on the overworld, mm-hmm. which takes getting used to. It's like, "Oh, I want to save. I better run to the nearest town find me a parrot." Yeah. I expect better from a PlayStation game than that. Yeah. That's that's a mark against the game really. There is an entire section of this game I never dealt with, right? I did not dive into this at all, but the game has an extensive ability to customize the windows, the layouts, the color, and the icons for the menu system. Oh, yeah. You can, this feels like a PC game in that respect because you can reconfigure the entire look of this game and your interface with it. It is a lot of customization that I never yeah, felt I never, any need to touch. I never messed with it either. It already looks
1: fine. But yeah. Choices.
0: It's it's weird. Again, it does feel like, they, like we got this new PlayStation. It can do so much. What can we throw in there? <laughs> Not everything was a winner. This was like, I don't need this ability, but that's fine. Um, but you know what this game does have? Arms. Hidden, hidden bosses. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There are at least six that I know of yeah. that give you and beating them gives you special. Oh, God, they're not crests. What are runes. They? the runes? The runes. You oh. unlock runes as you play the game, which kind of tweak characters in an individual way like, oh, this will make him stronger, but also more vulnerable. Yeah, they do or, stats.
1: And then they also work as your summons. Yes. Um, the, your, your second level of force, I believe it is, yeah. allows you to summon whatever creature from whatever rune you have equipped.
0: And all of the hidden bosses give you hidden runes that mm-hmm. are more powerful, uh, which gives you a lot of replayability. There's even, I did not encounter this one, but there's a dungeon where um, after you get all the way through the dungeon, you then have to get out of the dungeon. You have um, one minute to get out mm-hmm. of this dungeon before it self-destructs. But if you want to take a detour over that way, there's right. a hidden boss. <laughs> um, if you want to risk dying, yeah, um, so many hidden bosses, mm-hmm. and I barely encountered them. And I love a good hidden boss. Well, this is the game. It for is you. the game for me. Yep. Uh, can did you have any other innovations you no, want to talk about? No, I think you have
1: covered everything. You're always so thorough.
0: I try. Yeah. Well, then we're going to move on to the real magic, the arms. <laughs> I can't wait to talk about a different game. No, we are going to talk about the music. Yay.
2: Yay. So, yes.
0: Chris Chris is back with us, and he is here to talk music into
2: your earpieces. Hello. Um, yeah, so I'm talking about Wild Arms, which is... Uh, it's funny to talk about the music from a video game you've not really played, but uh, we're gonna do it anyway. So, uh, but that's the one thing though is that fortunately with Wild Arms, the mute, the soundtrack kind of, um, you know, its reputation precedes it. Uh, so yeah, this soundtrack was done by Amichi. Uh, sorry, <laughs> i like can't read my own handwriting. Michiko Naruke, uh, who is known for Wild Arms. <laughs> <laughs> she, good for her uh, yeah she is uh i mean she did start uh doing like telenet games which you know uh those are also known uh, for their soundtracks you know that's but a lot of that stuff is kind of like um wasn't really ex- as accessible to u.s audiences uh, if you scroll down the list of like games that she did for uh you know before this like you may you'll recognize valis 3 for which she did some arrangement, not even like the com- the composition or I love Valus. Yeah. yeah, she she arranged some stuff for Valus three. It wasn't again. She's not the actual composer of that game. Maybe the best Valus though. So oh, that's good. Uh, she worked on Psycho Dream, which I don't remember if that came out here or not. That, uh, to my knowledge, did not. I know it's on the Switch, uh, eShop now, but it's Japanese. Yeah, yeah, and I I have it on my Genesis, but on a flash card, so I Mm. don't remember. (laughs) Anyway, yeah, basically, all this to say, even though she worked on many games in Japan before Wild Arms, like, she's really known for Wild Arms, and she worked on all of them. She did, like, you know, one, two, three, Alter Code F, 4, and, um, that one, the, uh... I'm looking actually at it right now. A million memories. The uh, little bit of research I did into music says that she is credited
0: with over 400 tracks in the Wild
2: Arm series. Yeah, that's that's not unusual for you know how many games there are and yeah. how big the soundtracks are. Uh, it's actually it's a pretty pretty hefty soundtrack. And uh, but yeah, like I said, the soundtracks to these. Um, oh yeah, and I was I had a thing pulled up that I was gonna <laughs> compare her to June Chikuma. Who is uh, the Bomberman composer and uh, is known for little else outside of that. So, like, that's. It happens that, you know, one composer kind of gets into one series. and. Uh,
0: well, she <laughs> is the composer for the new. I can't pronounce it for the life of me. The Suikoden oh.
2: spiritual successor. Well, yeah. Uh, of oh, the Ayuden Chronicle. Ayuden
0: Ay- Chronicle 100 Heroes.
2: Yeah, along with Motoi Sakuraba, who. Probably did more, <laughs> knowing him, uh, just because. Yeah, dude, never stops writing music even to eat. <laughs> uh, anyways, yeah. So the main thing about Wild Arms, and again, this is why this this adds really to the reputation of of the games, uh, even for people who haven't played them, is that they're uh, among the only JRPGs to like completely mix being a JRPG soundtrack with being a Western movie soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, uh, Ennio Morricone, like, vibes are all over this piece. In fact, she apparently directly references, um, an Ennio Morricone, sorry, I'm terrible at that guy's name, track in, uh, in the, uh, intro track, which is To the End of the Wilderness, which I have heard many times. Uh, Oh, yeah. That one features whistling, which I did not realize was live. (laughs) Actually performed by a person. Wow uh Wikipedia. that's some good whistling yeah i I, I always thought it was like a midi thing yeah but...
0: welcome to cd soundtracks apparently well
2: i mean you know but yeah naoki uh takayo is the uh, is the whistler and uh maybe maybe that person whistles elsewhere in the soundtrack because there is whistling in this <laughs> one soundtrack has a lot of acoustic guitars i'd you love know? that
0: to be on my resume just whistler right
2: yeah
1: professional and i or? love that opening that open that opening soundtrack is almost on par
2: with like the lufia one to
1: yeah me. It's, it's just like
2: recognizable and good it's really good yeah and it's got that anime to it which uh was made by madhouse which i love madhouse because they made trigon love madhouse yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. the original Trigun, not this new crap yeah <laughs> <laughs> anyway that's a whole nother thing uh i'm
0: just watching russ and chris have a moment here
2: <laughs> but yeah Watch original trigun. yes do it so like that intro theme really well known battle music i think it's called critical hit mm-hmm. is really good and like i said uses a lot of uh kind of western instruments uh all throughout but it still maintaining that jrpg-ness of it like it's unmistakably a an art you know an rpg yeah. soundtrack but like uh for instance there's a sad theme from anxiety to impatience which, uh, which features a sad harmonica. Mm-hmm. Which you know, Oh, I know exactly which one you're talking about. When yeah. You said harmonica. The sad harmonica song. Mm-hmm. Uh, characters get their own themes, which I always like. I enjoy a, a game that gives characters their own themes. I don't know the characters, but I did pick out a couple of my favorite themes, which was Migrant Bird of the Wilderness, which is Ruby's theme. And uh, also, I like it not only for the song, but for the title... Not just any kid, but a lady, exclamation point, which is Jane's theme. (laughs) Calamity Jane. Yes, that sounds so accurate. I loved Calamity Jane so much, and I'm so glad they made her
1: playable in the second
2: one. It's a very very playful song. It's very, like, kind of funky and stuff like that. And, yeah, you know, past that, you have your usual, you know, overworld theme, town themes, which are pretty cool. Uh, You know, just like... Again, I can't pick out any game moments that stand out because I have not played the game, but uh, the soundtrack is definitely really high quality. Yeah. And like I said, throughout the whole series, you'll see, um, you know, that kind of mix of like acoustic guitars and mandolins and things like that, with you know JRPG synths and like orchestrations and stuff like that. And again, we do have uh, Michiko Naruke to, to thank for that. I hope she's doing well. Me too. Maybe she's working on. Well I guess she is working on the the Eodian Chronicles.
0: Yeah. I wonder how many arms she has. Oh god. I can't wait for this to review to be <laughs> over. Speaking of, let's go to final thoughts.
1: Well, my final thoughts are overall i love this game the arms weren't quite wild enough for me but other than that very good game i give it four and a half arms out of five Dear God. um yeah i think it's definitely i think it's definitely worth playing and as i've mentioned several times already in this review um there is a, a wild arms Al- alter code f was a ps2 remake of this game um, so if you're Gen Z listening to this podcast <laughs> <laughs> and you can't handle a PS1 game, there's a PS2 version of this that is extremely faithful to this game. So, yeah, four and a half arms out of five.
0: Good game. Highly recommend. Oh, my goodness. Uh, I, I went ahead and gave this game a B plus, uh, And the points I counted away from were, first of all, B+, plus, still pretty good experience. Oh, very right? good. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it, it was just... The fact that I had to frequently consult a walkthrough guide to figure out where I'm supposed to go next. That is a real pet peeve of mine. Uh, and I really didn't enjoy that. But Because then I'm taken out of this experience that I'm having with the game. But apart from that, it really a stellar game. Uh, I haven't played any of the other Wild Arm games. I'm really hoping, you know, it's uphill from here. It is. It gets better. I
1: mean, it was already good. And then, then for at least the next two
0: it gets better (laughs) then i am looking forward to them and normally here's where i say and russ if they want to play wild arms but you've already told them about the remake yeah you can play it on you can play this original
1: version on ps5 very easily um and then there is a remake called wild arms Ultra code f for ps2 which you can't play so easily or do it a specific way but um yeah it's good
2: it was also included on the playstation classic wasn't it it was yeah. This
1: is one of those games that has just been on every version of like Sony PS one classic store. Well, Sony store. owns it, so right. of course they're Exactly. Gonna. Yeah, so you can play it all over the place on your Vita if you still have one of those.
0: Uh, yeah, that's how I played. It was on my Vita. okay. Good. So let's talk plugs. Something that you've enjoyed recently that you think people would enjoy. I played. I, f- I just recently beat Baldur's Gate three. And it was a fantastic game. Um, Who did
1: you have sex
0: with? Uh, I ended up with Shadowheart. My game. I wanted to go with Carlac, but my game somehow bugged me out of that romance. Okay. Because like I said, the appropriate things, and it looked like we were going to hook up, and then all romance options disappeared from all oh, dialogue wow. for Carlak forever. Yikes! But Shadowheart and I ended up being quite comfortable.
1: That's good. Did you did you walk into the what I the dragon sphincter? Which Not, is just a theme that remember. I saw on TikTok.
0: <laughs> I okay. I don't recall walking. I haven't into played a dragon sphincter. Gates, Okay. Um, I did. My character also did hook up with Lazell and the Drow sister and a demon. But <laughs> okay, it turns out Shadowheart's mainly cool with this. She's like, if you want to screw around, just tell me and we're cool. By and the I way, it
2: wouldn't be the first RPG where that happens.
1: The
0: Dragon's that you walk
2: into a dragon sphincter. Okay, Paladin's Quest. Oh, okay haven't played it but i well there's it's on our list yeah, somewhere a, okay well there's a whole ass dungeon <laughs> <There's> a, <laughs> that was a little too <laughs> much yeah. there's a there's a dungeon that when you uh that's full of like bones and guts and stuff and when you leave the dungeon it's through the dragon's mouth oh so how did you enter it yeah
1: nice nice
2: so
0: Uh, Baldur's Gate 3, every time you turn around, it was like more content. I know I missed like half the stuff in this game and I still played it for 57 hours. Um, so much stuff, such a good time, unexpected plot twists, great characters. Um, if you are okay with a lot of reading and talky because a friend of mine downloaded and went, there's so much reading in this game. Oh, I guess I should have warned you. Sorry. Lots of reading, uh, turn-based combat, lots of fun. Anyway, uh, Chris, you got something to recommend? Uh,
2: the only real thing I've done like recently that I started and finished was uh, watching every single Godzilla film. Oh, that's I have seen them. Uh, that's, what, 30-something films? Anyways. Quite a bit. Great time. I, as a fan of the monster, I'm happy to say I didn't dislike a single one. Wasn't Millie Bobby Brown in one of the new ones? She's in two of them. Oh, okay. Well, she's, good for her. And yeah, she's in um, the legendary uh, King of the Monsters, which is the second Godzilla film in that line. And she was also in Godzilla vs. Kong. Did you watch
1: the anime ones?
2: Not or, uh, yet. Okay. I've watched all the live action ones, but I don't have Netflix okay. right now. so no. Because I know me. the anime ones. I
1: haven't watched the anime ones either, but they're Gin uh had some kind of uh, hand in them, and he's created psychopaths which is one of my favorite anime
0: nice yeah i'm gonna watch
2: them i just need to get netflix again (laughs) oh yeah
0: i like gamera
2: yeah gamera's okay nice (laughs) Not a Toho monster and nothing to do with Godzilla, but it is another guy in a suit. That's
0: all the kaiju Kaiju that I've got is uh, I like Gammer.
2: I like Gammer a lot as a kid. Um, I always thought it was very funny when he would like spin in, but like, and knock into another monster. And you just see that the shell on the string was just like bobbing back and forth and stuff. (laughs) That was pretty good.
0: Russ, do you have something to recommend?
1: Yeah. Um. I kind of just recommended Psychopaths for a minute, but that's not what I was going to say. Another anime that I uh, watched since the last time I was here, anyway, um, I watched my first Gundam, uh, which was The Witch from Mercury. Uh, very good. All it took after forty years of Gundam for me to watch one was lesbians, and they were good. They were good lesbians, and uh, it is very. It was a very good show. And I'm thinking about going back and watching some old Gundams now. How were their arms, though? The arms were actually great. Excellent. Um, were, were they, they wild? They, you know, they actually were wild. The main Gundam has a lot of uh, little arm things that fly off of her arms. and okay. So I would say Gundam had more wild arms than wild arms. <laughs> and that is a glowing endorsement. <laughs> Excellent.
0: All right. Well, that was our return to Home on the RNG. Although, for the people listening at home, they didn't miss any time. No. I, I should say, again, we posted a little thing about uh, our update schedule is going to change a little bit moving forward until we rebuild our backlog. Next month, the, we'll be posting on the first Monday of each month. Next month will be a side quest, and then the month after that will be another game review. And we're going to continue that pattern until we build up our backlog a little bit more. You should be on the edge of your seat for our next review. I'm not going to spoil, unless you're already. A I'm
1: gamer. about to say what game. Well, that's it fine. Is. You should be excited for it because I have no recollection of it whatsoever. <laughs> I played it russ is a a couple of years ago as of the recording of that podcast and it's going to be fun to to see how much i can remember
0: russ is a professional podcaster i'm very professional Mm -hmm. yes
1: i'm the pretty face on this podcast
0: this podcast that doesn't show exactly that's what i'm saying okay yeah so yeah we are playing triangle strategy uh and we will see you in two months to talk about that yeah we will see you then so thank you for tuning in we'll see you guys
2: On the rng is a presentation of mad centaur productions you can find jeff on youtube at youtube.com slash centaur productions or on twitter at jeff centaur you can find russ on twitter at russmac 25 you can find chris on twitch at twitch.tv slash liar exaggerate or on twitter at enrich flavor thank you for listening and remember to save your game before powering off this podcast
1: to scream please don't <laughs> do you want 30 minutes of me screaming no i
0: definitely is content it is content oh, <laughs> hi everybody welcome <laughs> <out>. <laughs>